Somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. Let's just lift our hands where we are. Thank you, Lord, for this night. Thank you for this day, your presence that is here with us. Thank you for the people that are here. And we just know that you're going to do something. Help us tonight. Anoint us tonight. Lord Jesus, we commit all of this into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I do want to say I, I just honor Pastor and First Family. And I so appreciate uh, uh, just being invited tonight to speak. And uh, also being here with you uh, these three to four months, whatever it is. And uh, I've said over and over, we should have been here about four years ago, but uh, we I guess we kind of miss the Lord. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, we're here now, so we're going to try to speak to us tonight. Amen. I, does anybody, uh, is there anybody that likes to study on the subject of prayer? I got one, uh, got an extra book on prayer that I've written. You better run up here and be first. Just grab it. I'm not looking. You just, first one that grabs it. All right. All right. Uh, hallelujah. My most recent book that I wrote, uh, it's well, not very thick, but it's called A Message from Hell. It's a fictitious plea of a man in hell. Who'd like to read about hell? Who, who wants to read about the place you're not going to? Amen. Amen. Bless you. And the Lord is here tonight. I, I hope you're feeling what I have felt all day. And um, I'm going to read a verse here, <clears throat> my first verse, in Exodus 33 and 18. And if I didn't say, uh, I honor also all of the ministry team, and I appreciate my wonderful wife, who always greatly supports me and our ministry. I'm so thankful for that. Amen? Exodus 33, 18, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. <clears throat> now, let's do this. We're just really quiet right now, and that's okay, but let's do this. Let's stand, and we're going to lift our hands, and we're just going to not pray, but we're going to praise the Lord for a minute. Who would just, just praise the Lord with me here? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our voice. <clears throat> Let's just magnify the Lord. Come on, praise him with me for a little bit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I magnify your name, Lord Jesus. I praise your mighty name. I glorify you. I worship you. Can somebody lift their voice right now? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on. The devil don't like it. The devil don't like our praise, but I'm going to give it anyway. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I magnify you, Lord. Oh, we want you in this place. We need you tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. I, I'm glad I know who he is tonight. I'm glad I know his name tonight. 
I've seen a little bit of his power. I'm glad for that tonight. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Just wave your hands unto the Lord. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Who's going to help me preach tonight a little bit? Praise God. I need your help tonight. Praise God. You may be seated. Pastor, I, um, we first started coming, I don't know how many weeks we had attended, how many Sundays. It wasn't real long. But I want to tell the church this in case there, it, it might edify someone. Um, it may be just for me. It may, maybe it happened just for me. I don't know. But uh, one day at home, uh, I saw a vision. And when the Lord gives me visions, uh, it, it, they're like static images, almost in every case. It's just like there's no moving parts. But it's like a picture I see. And there's a message in the picture. But what I saw was, uh, like I said, we hadn't been attending very long. But what I saw was this church, I saw the exterior of the building. And, you know, we, we come in off Halstead and we come down this bumpy road with the potholes. That's where we always turn. Anybody else turn down there? Okay. But I, I, in the vision, I saw the church from that vantage point. <clears throat> A little ways off. And, and what I saw, which was very unique was the building. I didn't see anybody, but the building had, on the exterior, it had very large drops of anointing oil coming down. It's like the exterior, the entire exterior of the building. It's like you took the oil and you poured it, but it wasn't natural size, but it was large drops of anointing oil coming down on the building. And you know, sometimes we wonder what things mean, and I don't have a great explanation for that, but I had a similar thing happen to me several years ago. <clears throat> Matter of fact, that, that night I was on the way to church, and the previous church I was attending, and I had been in the area of the church uh, on an appointment, and I had a short drive, and while I was driving, I had a vision. And the vision then, I'm just going to show you how the Lord works, and maybe most of you know this, I don't know. But the vision I saw was a loaf of bread on a table, and laying next to that was a knife. And there was a voice that said, as I'm driving now, it said, take and eat and devour the whole loaf. And I thought, well, is that me? Is this the Lord? I believed it was the Lord. It seemed like what I'm usually hearing and feeling that it was the Lord. But I, I know in this flesh dwells no good thing. And, and I know that I'm capable of missing God. And so I just pondered on it and pondered on it. I couldn't get it out of my mind like the vision I just told you of this church. I got to church and I thought, well, this might be ever since then, maybe in three months but I got to church, and I thought, well, this might edify the church. I don't know. I'm going to tell the pastor, maybe. I was thinking about it, and I was kind of chicken because I thought, well, maybe this is not from the Lord, and he's going to give me a, a funny look or something, you know. <laughs> and I, I was on the platform with him, and I just told him. I just told him what I just told you. And he gave me a dead stare. I said, what's wrong? He said uh, there was an evangelist in town had been preaching, 
He said, the evangelist said that to me this morning about the church. I thought, well, praise the Lord. God confirms his word, doesn't he? God will confirm his word with signs following. And I tell you tonight, it's my prayer, and I want to see the glory of the Lord. And I believe we see it in some levels and in some dimensions. But I'm going to talk a little bit about Moses, maybe a lot about Moses tonight. And the next verse I'll share is Deuteronomy 9 and verse 18. And uh, Moses speaking here, he says, And I fell down before the Lord as at the first. Forty days and forty nights I did neither eat bread nor drink water. And, and I see in that verse, and he said, I fell down before the Lord. Now, this is the second fast of 40 days that he was on. <clears throat> now, we can see in Scripture that he went on two fasts, back to back. I don't know if there were hours in between, if there was any meals in between. But when he came down from the mountain, he saw what was going on. All we know is next thing you know, he was back up going toward the mountain again on another fast of 40 days and 40 nights. And he makes this statement, I fell down before the Lord as at the first. And I don't think he tripped. I don't think it was an accidental fall. But I believe there's somewhere in this scripture, in this passage here, in this verse, that is telling us that, 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 that Moses fell in, in a spirit of intercessory prayer. I, I believe that because of the burden that he felt and the sins of the people, that, that Noah uh, or Moses uh, fell under this burden and he went down like you and I will do sometimes in prayer and we will feel the weight of the burden. We will feel the weight of that intercession and it will draw us down. And Amen. I know intercession in that day had to be different because they weren't speaking with tongues and they weren't travailing as we do, so to speak, no doubt because they didn't have the Holy Ghost as we do. But whatever it was, there was some kind of intercession going on with him for the sins of the people. In Exodus 33, 11, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And now, I may not uh, try to hang from these lights tonight, so I might be just talking to you. But I'm going to give you what God has given me in the last several days. All right, that, that's what, just what I'm going to try to do. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Now, that's, that's different. That's unique. Uh, we don't have that kind of a record of anybody else in Scripture that God said that about, that he spoke face to face with Moses. And Numbers 12 and 8. Numbers 12 and 8, and with him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. So when we look at this apparently, it means an appearance. I will speak with him mouth to mouth, even in an appearance, and not in dark speeches, and the similitude. Similitude in the Hebrew means a shape or embodiment. Uh, God said, I'm going to speak to Moses in a shape, in a body embodiment, or in some type of an appearance that I'm going to reveal myself to him. Now, let me say here, my, my purpose here tonight of this message 
is to somehow show us how we can go deeper with God if we will go into prayer and we will go into fasting. Now, we are a praying church and we are a fasting church, but um, how can I say that we can go deeper than we've been? On an individual basis, we can go further than we have ever realized we can go in the spirit. Amen. I I believe that in the last days that God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And uh, your sons and daughters, they shall prophesy. Back a couple months ago, there's a young young man over here to my right against the wall. And young, maybe a teenager, I don't even remember who it was, but he prophesied. And I was so grateful to see that and how these things are happening in our midst. And so many churches are not seeing these things, but we have and we are, and these things are going to accelerate, and these things are going to grow, and more people are going to get involved, and more young people are going to get involved, and they're going to say, I don't want to be just like the rest of the young people. I don't want to be just like everybody else. I want to be in this thing with all of my heart. At 17, I received the Holy Ghost. And we had two services back in those days on Sundays. And I learned that I needed to go home on Sundays and pray because I wanted to pray for that service. I don't know why I started doing that. And then I started going to service early before I got before anybody was there. Because there was something in me, there was that burning fire, that burning desire that said, I don't want to be like everybody else. I'll do what it takes to... To, to grow. I'll do what it takes to be different. Uh, what I read in the Bible, I want. What I read in the book of Acts, I want. Uh, I, I don't care what the church down the street is doing. They're doing or they're not doing it. That, it doesn't interest me a whole lot, but what I want is what I read in this book. I, I want to see his glory. Is anybody with me tonight? I want to see his glory. It's more than feeling good in a prayer meeting. It's more than just uh, speaking in tongues for a while. And understand, I'm, we, we got it here. We, we have this thing. Uh, we have a hold of this thing. I, in 40 plus years, listen, I've been a part of a number of churches. And uh, for a long time, for years, for decades, I, uh, Pastor Cox, I've been looking for this church. I, I've been looking for what we're doing. Hallelujah. Uh, this is what I've wanted uh, and I've touched into it, and I've lived this myself, and my wife uh, has lived this. But listen, being part of a church where everyone is trying to do this is different than doing it on your own. Anybody hear me tonight? Now, if you've been here all your life, you really don't understand what I'm saying about that, but <clears throat> believe me, you've got to be thankful here. And I think about the, the Apostle John. And I think about this great man, the Bible, in more than one place, uh, in the Gospels that refers to him as the disciple in whom Jesus loved. He was that disciple. Why out of 12, why was he, uh, why was he brought out and uh, pointed out as the, the man that Jesus loved? What about the other 11? I believe he loved them all. 
the same. But uh, there was a difference with John. There was a difference the way Jesus treated John because Jesus uh, always had John leaning on his breast. I'm talking about a grown man leaning on another grown man. You could be following the Lord from 100 yards, and you're following the Lord, but you're 100 yards. Remember that. You could be following the Lord from 10 feet, but still, you're following the Lord from 10 feet. But when you get close enough, when you get close enough to him where you can hear him whisper. I said where you can hear him whisper because you are leaning heavily upon him. And you could literally feel the heart beating in his chest. I'm talking about drawing nigh to him tonight. I'm talking about a relationship that is not a Sunday and Thursday relationship. Because if that's all you have tonight, you really don't have a relationship. And you are not walking in the Spirit. You cannot walk in the Spirit by praying two days a week. You can walk in the flesh and have the Holy Ghost. Sure you can. There's a lot of, uh, in my opinion, most apostolics do walk in the flesh. I'm sorry if that doesn't sound good, but that's just my opinion. I believe that most walk in the flesh. But tonight we can walk in the Spirit every day. We can pray. We can seek the face of God, and we can seek His glory. So if you're not as close as you need to be to Him, and it seems like you're hearing his voice. And I've been there and not able exactly to discern what he is saying to you. That he is lowering his voice. He's not going to raise his voice. If he raises his voice, you're probably in trouble. But he will lower his voice to draw you in. He wants you, what did you say, Lord? And then you're going to get closer to him because you care about what he's saying. And so you're drawing near. And then he lowers his voice some more. And next thing you know, you're leaning on the chest of Jesus just where he wants you to be. I want to see his glory tonight. I, 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 I've seen healings. I've seen miracles. I've seen cancer healed. I've seen arthritis healed. I've seen migraine headaches. I've seen a lot of different types of miracles, but let me tell you, I'm not satisfied. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm 60, yeah, and I've had the Holy Ghost since 17, but I'm still seeking for more. I still desire more. I'm still hungry for more. I still have a passion for more, and it's not because I'm in this pulpit tonight talking about it, but I live it every day. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he's near draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you cleanse your hands you sinners purify your hearts you double minded be afflicted and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness let's give the Lord a hand praise right now Think about John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos. And he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. 
Praise the Lord. He said, I was in the spirit. The visions that this John, I would call him a seer because he was seeing visions all the time. All, and the depth of his visions, the, the, the amount of his vision, his vision, the visions. So no doubt he was a seer, though the scripture doesn't say it, but God was revealing so much to him. But John would not have seen any visions like he saw if he had not been drawing nigh unto God. If he had not been drawing nigh, if he had not been pushing back the plate, if he had not been seeking the Lord with all of his heart. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want to pour out my heart to the Lord. We got a lot of stuff we got to pour out. Amen. I said, we got a lot of stuff we got to pour out. And the only way that he's going to pour in is if you pour out. You've got to make room in your spirit. You've got to make room in your life. You've got to pour out of the hurts. You've got to pour, pour, uh, pour out of the anger and the jealousy and the lust and all the things that plague our life and all the stuff that goes back to your teenage years and the stuff that goes back to your childhood, uh, the abuse uses and everything else that's still there that torments you from time to time. And listen, it all don't happen in a moment. It all don't happen in a night usually. It's like, a, it's like an onion. It's like we're pulling away the layers and we keep pulling away the layers. And every time you pull some layers away from an onion, you start to cry. Amen. And your heart breaks and you weep in his presence. And God is breaking the heart and God is moving in your spirit. And that's why when you leave this place, you feel the state has been said by so many and, and even myself so many times coming out of prayer I feel like something was lifted from me something was removed and something was removed from you you may not know what it is today but that's something that hurt that abuse that unforgiveness that something was lifted from you but it's because you're drawing nigh to him because you're seeking his face. And in Exodus 33:18, well, I don't see a clock telling me when to quit. Oh, one church I went to, they had to give you 45 minutes. It was on the back wall. <laughs> so <laughs> if it's past my time, somebody flash the, flash the lights or something, all right? I, sh I shouldn't be past 10, so don't worry about it. Exodus 33 and 18. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. I like that. He said, I'm going to make all my goodness pass before thee, Moses. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. Listen, if you don't have a revelation of the name of Jesus, you really need a revelation of the name. This is a nice church, and we have a wonderful pastor, but you've got to have the name of the Lord, amen, that passes before you. It's got to pro be proclaimed in your heart. You've got to get that revelation of the name of Jesus. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, thou canst not see my face. Moses, you're not seeing my face. For there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me. And thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass, Moses, while, while my glory passeth by that I will put thee 
in a cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while, while I pass by. Now, I hope I can deliver this to you tonight uh, because it's just been a couple days since I received this right here. But there are times when we're seeking God and we're needing an answer from God and we're seeking to, to see his glory. But, you know, many times we're seeking, we don't realize it, to, for his hand. We're, we're looking for the hand of God. We need God to move. We need God to do something. But God would rather for us to seek his face and not seek his hand. Because he said, I know your needs, and I know all what they are. And he said, I'm going to supply your need and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you and when we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding he will direct our paths are you hearing me tonight am I doing all right all right I hope I get at least a B I don't mean a bumblebee all right but look what he said while my glory passeth by that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. So here's Moses and the hand of God, no doubt, very large. <clears throat> and God is saying, and I will take away mine hand and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. So Moses says, show me thy glory. And the hand of God is in front of his face. The hand of God is covering Moses' face because God is hiding something from him at that moment. But I'm going to remove my hand, Moses. And when I do, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you my back parts. Uh, but my face shall not be seen. Now, here's the argument that I make with this passage. And maybe you know the argument. But how can you see the back parts of a spirit? How can you see the back part of an omnipresent spirit? Because how is there a front or a back or a top or a bottom to a spirit that is literally everywhere at the same time? So when I look at the, 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 the Hebrew word for back parts in my study, I find uh, uh, several words, but two stand out to me. And one of them is behind and the other one is backward. And I think... Uh, backward behind Moses, and I think behind Moses, and then I think behind God, uh, behind the present time with God, be, be, behind or, or backward from that very moment, what happened in history, and I think about the creation of the world, and I think about the planets, and I think about Adam and Eve, and I think about all that God did in the beginning, and, and maybe you're familiar with this thought, but could it be here, and I believe it was, my, my thought here, is that because we're looking at the past behind Moses, uh, that God is revealing to Moses at this moment. When God removes his hand, God is revealing the book of Genesis. God is re revealing Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, and etc. There was no writer there. There was none that, uh, that claimed to write the book. So it's a good possibility. Even theologians say that Moses probably wrote 
the first, uh, was it four books of, of the Old Testament, or was it five? But regardless of that, we can see here that God is revealing something. God is revealing his glory to Moses. Now, Moses, understand here at this point, Moses had already seen the plagues of Egypt, right? Look, think about the miracles of the plagues of Egypt. Think about, uh, think about the Red Sea that parted. I mean, nobody in history has been used to perform the miracles that God used Moses. Besides Jesus, my opinion, and there was no man in the Bible close to Moses in the demonstration of the spirit and of power and the life that he lived. Hallelujah. But think about all the miracles that had already happened, all the miracles that Moses already saw to this point. But he says, show me thy glory. I want to see more of you. I've seen the miracles. I've seen demonstrations. I've seen healings and masses. I've seen this and that. But God, I want to see your glory. There's something behind his hand. I said, there's something behind his hand. And so it could be, this could be, that maybe when we're seeking his hand and we're seeking the hand out and we're seeking, we're praying for things maybe we shouldn't even be praying for because we're not trusting, maybe, just maybe, if, if we would allow God to move his hand, we would actually see his glory in the situation. Because the hand of God, he's allowing that to block our view of his tremendous and amazing, miraculous glory. Anybody get, get that tonight? Anybody with me just a little bit? Hallelujah. I want to move God's hand. Show me more, Lord. Show me more, God. If your hand's in front of my face and I don't realize it, and there's something behind your hand... See, I play with these kids all the time. I just, I get down the floor just like them. I run around the house. I don't jump on the trampoline, though. I have, but I usually lay there and let them fall on me. <laughs> at, that, at this age, you kind of stop doing some of that stuff. But anyway, so sometimes I'll play with them. And you know what I'll do? I've been doing this for a long time, and now I'm preaching about it. But I'll, I'll, I'll get them especially with the little one like the baby, and I'll just mess with him, and I'll put my hand right here in front of his face. He's trying to see this. He's trying to do that, and I'll put my hand right here in his face just to aggravate him, just to play with him because I want to see what he does. And I've always done kids that way. I'm not cruel. I love kids. I adore them. I weep over them all the time. But now they can't see with my hand. Now, when I move my hand, now everything is revealed. God, if your hand is in front of us, we ask, remove your hand. Let us see the glory of the Lord. Give us a greater visitation of you. So the Apostle Paul. We read about in 2 Corinthians 12, he talks, writes about a man, he didn't give his name, but about 13 years prior, I believe he said that he knew a man, whether in the body or out of the body, said, I cannot tell. <clears throat> but he talks about this man, whoever the man was, 
No doubt he was Holy Ghost filled, but he talks about this man, how he went into the third heaven. Hallelujah. It wasn't Paul that went. It was this man that he writes about. And, and, and it says there how that he was caught up. This man was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. And I'm talking about this tonight to, to somehow tease your spirit to say that you can have more than what you have right now. God is not a God of minimums. He's a God of maximums. Amen. You cannot limit God to what he can give. And there, there are nine gifts of the Spirit. And uh, I don't know if you have any cravings for these things, but for decades I have walked and lived in cravings, uh, spiritual cravings, and probably will until I die because I know there's more. I know there's more, hallelujah, and I want more in Jesus' name, and I know how to get it. Amen. I've got to be willing to do what most men won't do. Are you willing to do what most won't do? You can have some of the most wonderful Christians that never miss church, pay their tithes, and they'll die and go to heaven, but some of those wonderful people will never see a miracle of, of their own. They'll never pray and see a miracle. But there are some Moseses in this congregation. There are some Miriams in this congregation, no doubt, that says, I'm not satisfied. I'm going to have this. And is it going to happen in one church service? You can have a fire ignited in you in a church service, but what you're going to have to, what, if you want it, you're going to have to pay the price for it. You say, yeah, but my peers aren't fasting like that. My peers aren't praying. It doesn't matter what your peers are or are not doing. Don't compare yourself among yourself because God has so much for you and you could be like Saul one day when the prophets came around and amen there was so much prophecy going forth and the spirit of prophecy hit Saul and the Bible says he was turned into another man and he began to prophesy the word of the Lord and you could be turned into another man or another woman tonight when the spirit of the Lord falls upon you and next thing you know people are being healed people are being delivered people are being, their minds are being freed. Amen. And God is doing a work in you. Why? Because you've allowed yourself and you gave yourself. That's not in my notes, but let me say this. There was a king in the Old Testament by the name of Ahab. And I've preached about him before, but the Bible says that he was the most wicked king that ever lived. You know, him and Jezebel, they would kill the prophets of God. They, they would kill and hate everything that was good and righteous. And, the, and God said he was the most wicked king that ever lived. Can you imagine? That, that's a title, huh? That, that's, a, that's a declaration to say he was the most wicked, the most evil, the most vile king that ever lived. But get this. There was a prophecy that came to him from a man of God. And that scared his socks off. Hallelujah. And the Bible said he went down in prayer and in fasting with sackcloth and ashes. He began to humble himself and seek the face of God. And you know what God did for that old wicked king? God turned the tide and God said, no, I'm not going to do the evil that I said I was going to do to you, but I'll let it happen to your boys. I'll let it happen somewhere down the road, but you, I'm going to go ahead and have mercy. I don't think there's any King Ahab's in this place. 
place. But just think about it. If, if the saints of God would go down in prayer and fasting and humble themselves before the Lord, the King of Israel, if we would do that, there's no telling what God would do. Amen. In this city, in this region, in this church. So my point here tonight is about, as you could see, how prayer and how fasting ushers us into the presence of the Lord. Now, let's go to Mark 9 and 1. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here, Jesus speaking in, in the gospel of Mark here. He said, There's some standing here which shall not taste of death. You're not even going to die till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Now, the way I see it is that's Acts chapter 2. I believe that's Holy Ghost. I believe uh, the Holy Ghost is what he's talking about. The outpour of the Holy Ghost because there were people standing there that day that experienced the Holy Ghost and they witnessed that as they came out of the upper room. And so I believe the prophecy came true at that time. But then Jesus goes on in verse 2. So we're going to talk now about what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. The Bible doesn't use that terminology, the Mount of transfiguration, that's our term. The Bible does not tell us what mountain it is, but looking into just a little study, uh, historians, I looked at more than one, uh, agreed that it was a mountain uh, about 97 miles away. For some reason, like, they come to that conclusion. I don't know if it's, it was just passed down through time, but Mount Tabor, 97 miles away from Jerusalem, uh, about 2,000 feet high, and... Uh, as I read, it would take about 45 minutes to climb this mountain. And this is where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. Now, I preached part of this wrong for years. And I always said he took the 12 and he left nine at base camp. But I got to looking at it again this week, and it doesn't say anything about the nine. So I don't know where he left them. I don't know if he did bring them, and it just doesn't mention. But there were three that he brought. He, he picked three out of the 12 that he felt that no doubt these three were special. There was something about these three. See, there is a calling on people's lives. and Sometimes there's a special calling on individuals' lives. And no doubt Jesus, of course, could see that. And he brought them with, and they tracked up the, the 2,000 feet high mountain. And then as the three were standing there, all of a sudden, several feet away, maybe 10 feet, maybe 50, 100 feet. I don't know how far. But all of a sudden, there was a, as the Bible calls, a, he was transfigured before them. He was transfigured. And uh, looking at the Greek word is metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. And a metamorphosis, as we know, is a gradual change. So I don't know how uh, gradual the change was, if it took three seconds or 30 seconds. I don't think it took all day. But suddenly there was something that happened with Jesus, verse 3. And his raiment became shining, exceeding, exceeding white as snow. And Matthew says that he became as bright as the sun. And it says here, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And then verse 4, I'm almost done, where the plane is really looking at the landing strip right now. And there appeared unto them Elias and Moses, Elijah and Moses, 
All of a sudden, Elijah, can you believe, been dead for a thousand plus years. Moses been dead for a thousand plus years. And they're standing there talking to the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine that? I mean, I like to read about it. I've read this passage I don't know how many times. I, I go back to it, and I go back to it, and I go back to it. Uh, it. It so intrigues me. But, oh, if God could bring up Moses and Elijah, maybe he could bring up uh, the three, uh, Peter, James, and John, to come and tell me more about it. I would love that. Wouldn't that be great? Seriously. So they appeared to Jesus. They're talking to Jesus. Now, he didn't bring um, Noah. He didn't bring Daniel or Ezekiel. Look at all the prophets that he could have invited into his presence that day. Noah, the built the ark. Thinking about Ezekiel, another seer. Thinking about Jeremiah, another prophet. We think about all the minor prophets. We think about Daniel that prayed three times a day. In the lion, uh, den of lions that God saved him from. We, 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 we know about all these amazing men that walk with God. Enoch, God took him uh, in those early days. He didn't even die. But God didn't call any of them back that day. He just called Elijah and Moses. God is so interested in us seeking him. He so, so draws near, as James said, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. And that is so literal. You've got, to, you've got to understand this is so literal. And we pray so many times, and we don't even realize that God was among us. I'm saying as individuals, we have a greater demonstration here as a group, and we feel more many times. But uh, I have to admit my prayer meetings at home are pretty good. Anybody have those really, really good prayer meetings at home? Praise God. I'm not bragging, but it's the truth. Uh, I just, I enjoy it. It's, see, when you're praying a little bit, it's kind of hard to pray. But if, if you'll start praying more, it'll get easier to pray. See, it, you know, praying a little bit really is just, you know, when you're praying because you have to. You know what that is? That's a deception. You know, it, it's a deception. <clears throat> it's a deception because you are being deceived to think that you can live for God and you can go to heaven with a little bit of prayer. And you're not even walking in the spirit. You walk in the flesh and you have so deceived yourself in believing that you can get by with a little bit. And I'm not saying you have to pray hours a day or nothing like that. But there's got to be a dedication. There's got to be a consecration. And I'm not just saying this off the cuff, baby. I've been studying this for decades. I can back myself up with lots of scripture. I can preach on the subject for a long time. I know what the scripture. Scripture says about it, and we've got to have a walk with God. He's looking for somebody to fellowship with. But look at Elijah talking to Jesus. Look at Moses talking to Jesus. And the three are standing on the look at each other. What's going on? Why, why, how are they here? Well, what are they talking about? Jesus is consulting with these two men. He brought two men back from the dead to talk with them. And why did he choose these men? Because Elijah was a man that also fasted 40 days. 
And Moses was also a man that fasted 40 days twice. We don't have record of anyone else in the Bible that fasted 40 days. I think Jesus was wanting somebody somewhat on his human level that he could talk to, that he could share with. Amen. So he brings, goes to the, just to the trouble of bringing dead people back. Amen. To talk with them for a little while. Amen. Not just anybody, but men that knew how how to seek the Lord, men knew how to sacrifice, men that knew how to pray, men that knew how to fast. Oh, hallelujah. Well, I've got a long way to go, but I'm preaching from the passion of my own heart as well tonight. So, Jesus goes into a private meeting, and he will also, and he does, go into private meetings with you. When you're praying and you go on that three-day fast the pastor calls us on. Amen. Don't just go without food, but you've got to know how to fast. You've got to, you've got to fast correctly. And because you, you'll end your three days or whatever you're doing so many times and you didn't feel nothing, you didn't see nothing, you weren't changed, you weren't morphed, nothing fell off of you, no chains were broken. It seemed like it was just why? Because you may be uh, not focused like you need to be. But Isaiah 58 is the fasting chapter of the Bible. There's a lot of fasting throughout the Bible. But if you'll study that real good and strong, I'm telling you what, you can learn the do's and don'ts you can find out what god loves about fasting that people do and you can find out find out about what god hates about fasting and you if you will apply those principles to your fasting i'm telling you what you will see answers on a regular basis when you push back the plate you will break free from things that are in your way you will feel the chains fall off your sons and daughters and your grandchildren will see change in their life and God will get their attention so let's all stand I feel like we should pray so if everyone that would like to pray tonight, if you would come forward. What I want, I feel, to ask you to gather in groups of about 8 to 10 to 12 in groups, men with men, women with women, and get in a circle. And I don't want any small groups. I feel like we need to have enough groups, large enough groups, where we can help one another pray. Where we, can, where we can impart to one another. So go ahead and get in circles, 8 to 12 people per circle. And we're going to go into prayer, and God is going to demonstrate something among us here in just a few minutes. Please just barge in to a circle. If you're not in a circle, please just get in a circle Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, we're getting ready to pray. We're going to intercede. Somebody say intercede. 
There is a spirit of intercession here right now. There is a desire here right now. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and connect, if you will, to one another in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, tonight we need you in this place. You see the heart and the passion of the people. You see the desire, Lord.